Whether you're a pet owner or not, if you're looking to learn to better understand pets, to better interact with them, and strengthen your relationship with them, this episode is for you. It is also for you if you are open to have your perspective challenged. Today's guest is Dr. Sabrina Poggiayomi, who is a veterinary behaviorist. And just to give you guys a sneak peek, she saved my relationship with Bungie. In the following, we will address questions such as, what's the difference between a dog behaviorist and a dog trainer? I'll also, of course, mention why did I even hire a dog behaviorist in the first place? Is your dog and cat showing some domination behavior? And is there such thing as a pet dominating? We're going to challenge that. How do we cope with aggressive behavior? And of course, you'll find out that Bungie, my dog, who's a four-year-old Maltese, actually bit me. Enjoy the conversation. Like, I have a few questions I want to ask, but I, I'm a person who believes in the power of conversation. So the, yes. the point is, I ask a question, you take me places, and I, I might not even follow here. What is a dog behaviorist? You said, I think you said it earlier. But I think so. This is a big, behaviorist is a term that a lot of people use. Uh, yes. I, I use a veterinary behaviorist, which is, that is a term that uh, is a title that only people like me can use. And as a veterinary behaviorist is a person that, yes, uh, went through vet school, but also a three-year residency during each, during which you see all these behavior play cases uh, along with your mentor. Mm -hmm. But uh, you have to write uh, case reports, uh, pass a test. Uh, so you have to read uh, a lot, uh, study a lot. Uh, Expose the yes to a lot of cases, uh, but then you have to finally prove that you are uh, the person that really knows what is talking about. <laughs> yeah. Continue on you what you were saying before I started the recording. Why do you think people continue to choose to see the old way of seeing things? Is it just because of uh, ignorance, not in a bad way, but just because oh, they don't sure, have because they don't know? Yeah, they don't know better. Well, I think it's because, uh, for example, again in my field. Uh, we still have a lot of uh, old school trainers, uh, people uh, that uh, haven't yet uh, switched <laughs> to the uh, most proper training that is available nowadays. And these are the people that are still stuck uh, in their old views. Uh, and of course, uh, the client, when he any client decides to meet with a trainer, they do it in the best interest of their dogs. They don't know, I said, when you said ignorance, it's because they don't know better. But because they go to see these people because, of course, they have experience, yeah. they have been known for years. So, of course, what they are preaching is still good. But the reality is not because, like in any field, we have to be up to date. That's the reason why, for example, doctors, veterinarians have to always uh, attend the seminars, congress, read the papers, uh, um, any uh, research that has been published, because mm -hmm. we need to know what's really going on, what else what we have learned. And some people don't do that. Uh, so this is the reason why we are, and also the trainers, uh, at least the training field is not regulated. Anybody can self-proclaim themselves a, a drug trainer. And this is the reason why you can meet the people that really don't know anything about dogs uh, or how they communicate. Uh, and just to give you an example, now there is a, a client that uh, I just met uh, in Ottawa 
um, that came to see us because the dog has problems, of course. Uh, and uh, in the meantime, she started seeing uh, one of these trainers that work for these big uh, block stores, uh, trainers that have been training two weeks. Uh, but this person has told her that the dog has no emotion. So the, what it, the dog is doing uh, is not uh, driven by emotion. When I told her, Emotion doesn't simply mean that the dog has to scream and bark. Even staying in his own spot and not willing to interact with the other dog, that is already emotion. That dog is shutting down. But the trainer told her that the dog has no problem. So that now she doesn't want to see me anymore because I'm not saying anything true. I said, okay. I've spent so many years in school uh, in my residency to hear that from a person that has been trained for only two weeks, but this is the reality. People also, and I understand that, are looking for quick fixes, uh, mm. something that uh, you can implement uh, right away. Yeah. But when you are dealing with a patient with problems, uh, anxiety, fears, or phobias, nothing will be changed overnight. Uh, it's impossible. And these are, I think, uh, mostly the reason why we are still seeing this because even the bigger trainers on TV, those are so popular because of course during the show, 30, 40 minutes, they show you that they are fixing everything. So it's very magical. I don't have that power, but I'm also sure that even these people, even if they do it in 30, they are doing much more than that. Even if I may not agree with their methods, but nothing can be changed uh, so fast. Uh, but, so people are uh, also influenced by this, uh, these uh, TV shows that are promising these uh, healings, uh, really, and all the healings. less than hour. <laughs> so what you're saying is that there is dog behaviorists who are not staying up to date. Then there's the people who choose to go for the dog trainer who doesn't have the education but can do the behavioral quick fix. And then you have the mainstream media who is portraying that everything can be fixed in 30 minutes. You know, TV is looking for the, that's the reason why you don't have any veterinary behaviorists on a TV show. Because what we are doing, it takes time. It can be boring, honestly, of course, because behavior modification can be boring. It's not so fancy <laughs> and fun. So that's also the reason why they are never asking, uh, I guess, uh, us uh, to do something about it on TV because uh, it's too boring. But don't you think that at the end of the day, even you, we can take your whole process and break it down into 30 minutes and put it on YouTube, no? Well, I don't really think so. Meaning we can go over general uh, uh, definitions, but it's not that you cannot do anything in 30 minutes. No, but like as in, as in like, let's say you can summarize like yeah. for instance, right now I'm working on yeah. my client, how I'm, I'm yeah. worked on their brands. Yes. My work is very similar to yours. Yes. It's a long process. I don't do marketing the conventional way. I help a company yeah. know what they stand for, what makes them different. All the questions that are hard to answer that nobody wants to change their mindset yeah. really about. And my clients usually want to just patch up a new logo, patch up the quick fix, right? Typical. Um, but what I'm working on constantly yeah. is how do I summarize five months of work and an extra six months of transformation yeah in two minute video. No, sure, you can give uh, the outlines uh, yeah. maybe in 30 minutes, absolutely, you can do that. But then uh, the work will be a little bit longer than that. <laughs> that's, it. that's it. And so um, why don't you think that the fact that the field has no regulations doesn't help 
the situation? Like to become no, a it doesn't. Also because, for example, we, there's not really a lot of veterinary behaviorists. So people with my certification. So yes, we can do something in our small world. Uh, and so it's difficult to, uh, in a sense, fight against this uh, because there are much more trainers than us uh, and they have a, probably a, even a bigger voice <laughs> than uh -huh. we do. So it's very difficult. Uh, it's very difficult. And you know, it's difficult. I think it's also difficult for some people uh, accepting the idea that our dogs or cats or any other animal can suffer. And so uh, they uh, can have anxiety related problems, uh, phobias and fears. Uh, yeah. And they still don't understand that aggression is just a symptom of these uh, states. Uh, it's not the, the cause. It's my, my dog uses aggression. Yes, because baby is a dog. Yeah? So these are the tools that the nature gave them. But it's true that they can use it inappropriately, fine. But again, it's a dog with fears and phobias. So, the dog may think that uh, the only way to stop the bad thing from happening, whatever the trigger is, uh, well, maybe I should bite. So if I bite, uh, then I stop that interaction, which is true. That this is the reason why then dogs keep using aggression, not because they are trying to be bossy, it's just because they have learned, well, that is the only way to stop something that I don't like, so I will keep using it. And no dogs uh, or any other animal keep using behaviors that work for them. But this is the reason why I told you I have to see everything from their perspective, not from mine. I have to understand why they are using these behaviors and what are the situations that are triggering these responses. That's the reason why I have to ask to fill out a questionnaire. Then when I meet with the clients, ask them, okay, yeah. this is what your dog is doing. But can you please give me more details about the context, about the last biting episode? Who was there? What was going on? How did you respond to that? How did the dog respond to all of this? How was the dog before biting, during the biting and after the biting? Yeah. So these are all the things that I need to know to help everyone, not the, in the end, yes, maybe my patient, but also to help the family to manage the situation and prevent this episode from happening again in the future. And I think that's exactly why you, I remember having goosebumps actually, because like I said, that's what, <laughs> What you do is exactly kind of the, this whole idea of perspective, like, I, I don't know, I think it's one of my favorite words ever, because <laughs> I think it's, we need, we need to be open to new perspectives yes. for, for many yes. reasons. And so, um, you know, to, to come back to the idea yes. from the dog perspective, can you explain what you mean to understand things from the dog perspective? Because that's my favorite <laughs> sentence of yours in our consulting. First of all, is to understand that, that our animals see the world differently from us. This is the reason why I said my people may not know. And I accept when they, for example, come to see me and they tell me my dog uh, uh, feels bad when he does those things. I say, no, it doesn't. But this is their owner's way to describe what they have just seen. So, so it means that we need to know how dogs, cats, and again, any other animal see their environment. So we need to know how they mainly learn from their environment. Of course, we all know that dogs have the same senses that we have. But for example, they use a lot of their sense of smell. We are not able to understand how they, <laughs> they get that information. I'm always telling myself, I wish I could 
have their sensors met for just one day. I think it would be overwhelming to say, okay, I'm done. I don't want to have to do anything with this anymore. Yeah. But this is how it's important. So sometimes when a client is telling me, my dog just picked this person, but I, I can't pinpoint what was exactly the trigger. Sometimes I say, sometimes it may be something that they smell about that person. Mm. They can smell the fear in that person. They can. They may not like the perfume that the person is wearing. Okay. Yeah, actually, oh. preferences for smells like they may just not like a perfume. Yeah, they may. There are some things that they may not like, but that's the reason why it's so difficult also to communicate with our patients. Because yes, I can read their body language, then explain to the owners, please pay more attention to their dogs' uh, ears, uh, eyes. Uh, mouth <laughs> they will open it but um how they presented their body if they are approaching us or they are backing up I mean, so so there are so many different things and you know of course we know a lot more nowadays we, i can tell you when the dog is scared but there are also there are more subtle signs that as humans we are not able to pick up yeah. this is when also the client tells me oh my dog is unpredictable truly dogs are not unpredictable once you learn how to read them, you can tell when something is about to happen. But there is another problem. Because of the social dominance theory, a lot of people don't like that their dogs are growling at them or somewhere else because they, found, they find that extremely offensive. But they don't have to take it personally. Our dogs can't speak. They can't use words. So how can, how can they tell you when they are not feeling comfortable with something. I'm sorry, they have the right to growl because it's their way to prevent a biting from happening. That, that's something also that you really shifted my mindset actually when you told me, no, no, it's, it's incredible. And, and when you told me there was a sentence and I read it in one of the articles you wrote in Psychology Today where you said, no dog is born to hurt humans. Yeah. I think it was that, it wasn't, no, you said something along these lines. Yeah. And, most of us, we think when a dog is showing aggression, mm -hmm. I don't know why we have this image. We're like, okay, he's angry at something. But mm -hmm. when you told me that there's this one thing called fear-driven aggression, that Bungie has fear-driven aggression, yeah. my God, the way I see my dog has shifted forever. So even when he's angry, yeah, I have total empathy for him at these moments. Yeah. Even though yeah. he 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 could have he could be now he, he's not you know trying to bite, but yeah, I look at him differently, and so. Which brings me to my next point. Mm -hmm. When I told people that we met and uh, what I'm doing, because remember, yeah. I saw a dog trainer first. Yeah. I still had skeptics telling me. Yeah, I know. I know. And like, I know. And this is what makes even my professional hard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, still, uh, I still, uh, even among some colleagues of mine, uh, consider me just a trainer, not a doctor. Oh. And I'm not a trainer. I don't do that. I mean, I can tell you how to, uh, to teach a dog how to sit or lie down. But this, that is not really my goal. My goal is to make that patient more comfortable in his own environment, in his own skin, in different situations. So, of course, yeah, I need a dog that needs to, to sit and to lie down because I can take advantage of this to communicate better with that dog. So I can, we can speak a, a language that we both understand. But that is my goal. But really, I want to just to make these patients more comfortable as much as I can, of course. This is probably the other thing that uh, 
owners uh, may not like that I can't promise them a cure, but there is not even cure for humans anxiety or humans fears or phobias. I mean, the advantage is that with a person, you can talk to them. Exactly. So it's easy in a sense. But yeah, with a dog, uh, it's a little bit more complicated. <laughs> Of course, and, I, and I'm sure, sorry, I'm just closing the blinds because it's, uh, it's getting in my- No, no problem. <laughs> but um, so what you're saying is uh, that, yeah, so people still have some skepticism yeah. because they're looking for quick fixes and it's hard for them to see you as a doctor. And yet- yes. the, But the, the skepticism also comes from the fact that uh, some people uh, don't accept it yet. Uh, that animals are sentient beings, meaning they have feelings. Mm. They can, they feel, and also they feel pain. It's difficult to make people accept this too. That they feel pain. Yeah. Okay, and, and that's interesting. So you think that the idea why social dominance theory kind of prevails, well, one of them is because okay. we haven't accepted that they're, they also have feelings? No, I think that we don't accept. <laughs> You know, this is this, uh, it's a good question, but I think also clients uh, don't ask object, people in general uh, don't like the idea that the dogs are not here to serve us. Ah, wow! You know what? Uh, I mean, uh, of course, we as humans have selected wolves from yeah. which dogs are descending, and we have uh, uh, affected that meaning them in a sense because now you know even a chihuahua. Yeah. is descending from a wolf it doesn't like a wolf anymore because this is what we have done uh, through selection uh, and domestication so of course this has also affected other things like their behaviors so we have by um, um, domesticating a wolf so what we have done also if we have a retained uh, through selection uh, with they are called neophenic traits so we have retained mostly the juvenile tra traits uh, of wolves uh, because yeah. also it is less uh, uh, aggressive uh, demeanors uh, and that this is also the reason why for example dogs are more playful compared to wolf uh, usually wolf uh, are the puppies that are playful not the adult wolves uh, our dogs will play until the day they will die <laughs> so but of course because but it makes sense. We have to select an animal that we can live with, uh, and this animal can live in our houses. Uh, but uh, and then I think this is the reason why we think the dogs are, are here to serve us. It's not really true. I mean, they helped us uh, for hunting when it was necessary. Still, some dogs are doing this, uh, but mostly nowadays dogs are just a companion. So they are uh, staying in our houses because uh, they are our. Uh, buddies and uh, we play with them and we spend time with them and all of that but yeah <laughs> that's that's super interesting have you ever heard of the concept of speciesism speciesism i just thought of the definition it says it's a pretty much um the idea that we favor one species versus the other for our own humanity kind of good. So it, 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 what you're saying reminds me of this, that we decided what role dogs play for us just because we sure. think we're, you know? Yeah, but that's why anyway, a dog is a, is a fruit of a selection that the humans have made. <laughs> if we haven't, we haven't, uh, would have not done that, uh, we wouldn't have dogs. Uh, so what would, what would have happened if we didn't domesticate dogs? 
What do you think we would have not have uh, we would have not uh, had the wolves? Uh, meaning, uh, we would always have the, the wild version of them. So the wolves, uh, the the foxes, uh, and all of those things. But uh, yeah. And what would have happened if there were more wolves in in? No, well, I don't think it probably there would have been so many wolves. I mean, like now because we are keeping uh -huh. them away from our society because they can be dangerous. So uh, they live uh, in the wild, uh, they live in the cities or whatever, but uh, we, we don't have that. We don't have that. In a sense, we as humans have always been fascinated by animals. Uh, so then we'll, we tried to connect with them, with nature and everything. And then we have created this uh, version of a wild animal that can live with us now. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And can you explain for the audience what is social dominance theory and why um, and what is the new is there a name for the new theory that you're advocating? Oh, the social dominance theory mainly means that the dogs uh, are uh, trying to um, um, dominate us, and in order to do that, they may also get to the point uh, where they will use aggression to express their social status over us. Uh, but if this uh, is true, then uh, to show the dogs uh, that uh, they are not the boss, uh, we have to be in response aggressive towards them and confrontational. So we have to put them in their places. Uh, and by doing that, we have uh, to use uh, confront confrontational ways. Uh, that means simply mean maybe simply reprimanding the dog uh, or not allowing the dogs uh, to growl at us. And how dare you to do that? I am your master. Or even uh, you know where where they were using uh, uh, physical confrontation like uh, the alpha roles, putting dogs on their backs and forcing them in that position. And I've heard that some trainers are still doing that when dogs are having, for example panic attacks, uh, they just ask their clients to put their dogs on their side or on their backs and wait until the dog is calm and quiet, which is not the right way to do it because some dogs then will respond aggressively even if it, it will be towards their beloved owners, but it's because they are just feeling threatened. And so that's the reason why I say, uh, no, probably it's not the right way to see things. And instead we realized that all our patients or all our dogs uh, uh, can express uh, different emotional states like humans. Uh, and uh, when they get to the point to use aggression, especially in a, a context that we are not, are not expecting them to show it, is because uh, there's something else that is uh, um, triggering this. And we realized, yes, because they are anxious, so they are fearful. And if we force them and we push them in these situations, uh, they are going to use this term. As of course, again, we are talking about uh, dogs that are not uh, the regular dog because the regular dog shouldn't be anxious uh, or fearful. But when dogs are like that, uh, and there are of course the different uh, degrees of anxiety and fear, like with people, they are very mild form of fears and they're extreme kind of fear. And uh, when you get to those places, uh, the dogs can also become dangerous, of course, absolutely. But again, it's not because it's trying to tell you, hey, I'm here to tell you what to do. No. So it's all about uh, understanding except the idea that dogs, as I said earlier, are sentient beings and sometimes they can have problems. Mm -hmm. You can't expect a, a dog uh, again uh, to 
uh, overcome his fear by simply uh, <laughs> avoiding the situation if they can or accepting it, because it also, also depends on the dog's personality. And also, even when you are scared, you can have a different responses. So when you are scared, you can either run away if you can, so you're just simply removing yourself from the situation, or you face it. But facing means that you have to sometimes to become violent. If I have a person that is approaching me and punching at me, again, hopefully this is not going to happen. But again, I can have a different technique. Running away from this person as I can. Yelling or screaming to get other people's attention to help me or face it. Absolutely. You know, but it's very difficult when, for example, that person will point a gun at you. <laughs> you there, maybe you are just... Uh, praying that something uh, not bad is going to happen. And, and how does it make you feel? Like I'm, I'm already feeling it myself, but how, do you, how does it make you feel to know that there are dogs right now being treated through the social dominance theory? I'm feeling bad. I'm feeling so bad uh, and um, important in a sense because I don't know, you know, I'm just seeing uh, just some of these dogs. Uh, when people realize, no, there is a problem and I, I want to see uh, especially someone that can help me. And knowing that other people instead are not acknowledging, acknowledging that, and they are not acknowledging that their dog is suffering and they will keep doing what they are doing, uh, making these dogs really miserable and more scared. It really breaks my heart to know that uh, there are so many dogs or so many cats or so many other animals that are in this situation. Uh, and nobody may not know about it or nobody is willing to do anything about it. Yeah, you know, that's what I said because I, I know I can't reach uh, everyone. Uh, <laughs> and it's so sad, but I, I'm scared. I'm more, uh, I'm even sadder when one of my colleagues, uh, instead of referring the case to my attention or to professional dog trainers, keep referring these animals to the wrong uh, people. That is really more upsetting, knowing that nowadays we have better choices. Uh, and this really hurts me. And, and, and I can totally understand. I can, I mean, I, I feel that myself, the more and more I'm aware. And you know, what's, what's crazy is that I was one of this pet owner myself before we met. And, yeah. and I asked myself, what could I have done differently earlier? How could yeah. I have known better earlier? And so that's part of the message I wanted to yeah. share. Like, when I got my dog, it was the first time, it was four years ago, I was excited. I read a lot and then I realized I was exposed to social dominance theory myself mm -hmm. I didn't know about this. And the person who had the biggest impact was an ex-partner um, who I was dating, who mm -hmm. kept telling me I've been raising and have had lots of dogs. And so I kind of relied on him and, and yeah. trusted him. And he would say, when, when Bungie put his paws on you, it means he's dominating, you take it out. You don't let Bungie walk inside your home before you, yeah. because that means it's his home. Um, yeah. Don't put Bungie on your lap or else. And I, myself, you know, I trusted my ex-partner sure. in his sure. information. And then yeah. when, I, when he would send me articles, they were obviously in line with what he said. Yeah. I, I kept doing that until COVID before I came to see you. And I realized his aggression was getting worse. I'm like, what's yeah. going on with this dog? And you know what, um, doctor, actually... People in my circle actually yeah. told me, let him go. I know. I know. Let him I go. Know. 
Like, what are you saying? Is this what you said when your kids started going to the hospital? Is this what you said when I'm like, I'm not comparing necessarily the dog with the I'm not sure, but I understand about that. It's you know, it's easier to say that you can always put them down and you know and uh, euthanize them. And I, before I met you, was stuck saying, <laughs> What do I do? This dog just bit me, it's getting worse, it's yeah. confusing. I even called my ex-partner for advice. And then yeah. I was thinking, I'm, I'm going to call a dog trainer because I didn't even yeah. know dog behaviorist existed. Yeah. That's one reason I really wanted to speak with you. And oh, no, sure. You. No, but, but that's okay. But, but this is the reason why I say, you know, our college, the, the American College of Veterinary Behaviorists uh, has published uh, books uh, that I usually put as a reference in my reports, uh, like uh, decoding your dog. Uh, yeah. Because the goal is to try to educate uh, uh, people. Uh, try to tell them, you know, your dog is doing these things mostly because it's scared about something or is anxious about something. Yeah. So please, these are the most updated uh, um, tools that you can have to help them to go through, through life uh, yeah. when they are feeling that way. So, uh, but again, uh, even if uh, the book has been uh, received well, uh, there's still a lot of people that don't know about it. Uh, and, and then we are now have uh, released and published the one uh, for cats too, so that they're coding your cat, which I I authored one of the chapters. <laughs> I'll make sure we put the, the all this information in the in the video that I'll share. Of course, if I have your consent, I will happily put this on YouTube. I think it's super. Yeah, sure. On this, you know, sure, sure. Yeah. Um, but I but the thing is. I think the the issue from from a marketing perspective is the decision making process. So the first thing I guess people go see, oh yeah, and also before I reached out to you, I hired a dog trainer who didn't help me. What I which I realized looking back would have made things worse. And my mom was wanting to really help me so much. She's like, Van, call this lady. She uses Mira dogs. She trains Mira dogs. She probably knows. And I called this woman, and she told me to buy these. How do you call these? These chokers. The choker, but the choker or the, the prong, uh, and uh, so you know, there's the choke collar, the prong collar, the one with the prongs that uh, pierce the dog's skin, uh, and then you have the shock collars, all of these things. I got yeah. the choker, and then my ex told me, Get this thing from far when you catch him, do something, it gives him a little. I'm like, Are you so? I still bought it, but you know, I put it on my wrist, and I'm like, Come on, yeah. don't do that to my dog. And the other lady saying, You go choker, you take him like this on the neck, yeah. and I'm like. But no. I me, mean, I'm a woman who's like anti-violence, like in, in my yeah, story. no, 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 no. And but in a sense, uh, because then they say those things work. So in a sense, it's true they work because they are so painful that the, when the dog realizes uh, that they, they are around their neck and they learn uh, to uh, the yeah. shock, uh, what it means. So of course, uh, they learn also. Okay, whenever this thing is around my neck, uh, I'm not allowed to do anything, uh, and they stop offering the unwanted behaviors. But I've seen dogs uh, that came with uh, uh, lesions around their necks uh, because then the owner, frustrated because of the dog's behavior, kept uh, shocking the dog over and over at, at the highest setting. And the dog was not stopping because again, the pain it can make you even more irritable and more aggressive. Oh but as soon as you remove these uh, collars from their necks, uh, the dog goes right back to the yeah. behavior that you were trying to control because uh, it's not learning anything but pain and fear when they wear these things. It's 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 crazy. It's crazy. And and you know what? I got the choker and I never yeah. used it. 
And I remember when I came to see you, what I did was use a broom from far. Yeah, yeah I remember that. <laughs> because I couldn't, I couldn't punish him. I sure. couldn't do anything to him. And all I used, and I remember, I was like, it's a broom from far just to control his motion. Stop, stop. Yeah. I just wanted to give him, you know, no yeah. pain, but just immobilize yeah. him. Yeah. And it got worse and it got worse and it got worse. Yeah, sure. And, and yeah. so... And so I got to a point where I called my vet, vet and actually the dog trainer was recommended by my vet, vet mm -hmm. uh, and then I think I got to a point where I said, okay, I called them and I said, I need other help. And that's when I found out about, about your work. Yes. So what, um, what message, I mean, I still have more questions to go, but uh, like I said, there's no order. I don't like things yeah. to be super, super <laughs> but what message would you have to say um, and obviously, since I met you, I mean, I, I, my, my, how can I explain my, my relationship is like, it's like, it's like, I just got him again, you know, like, I don't know how to explain it. It's, you got I, your dog back. <laughs> I got my dog back. And, and sometimes I look at him and I'm like, oh my God, we, we really worked this out together. And I, I thank him and I thank you. And I'm like, oh my, and I, oh, as if I did nothing, I, of course I'm part of the process, but I told him, wow, she gave us a second chance when people were telling him, telling me, let him go. And I couldn't believe how people in my circle that have no dogs giving me advice, yeah. you know? So that's also, I take this into account. And so, yeah. and all, and, and the big impact that you have was try to understand Bungie from his perspective. Yeah. So every time he's sitting under my couch, I say, okay, Bungie might be scared. So yeah. be more slow when you walk, Vanessa, you tend to be hyperactive, walk slow from one room to the next. Who would have thought that that behavior, which is seen as a non-quick fix, yeah. This is why I say even the perspective is important because of what we see as a, a nice gesture for some dogs that may not be seen that way. So, for example, Bungie is such a cute little guy because when people see him, they want to go toward him, approach him and pet him. But he may not like that, even if your intentions are nice, because he doesn't know you, say, what are you doing? You're coming, invading my personal space and touching me? Just because I'm cute and fluffy? How dare you? Mm. Imagine it's the same thing as with the children or even adults. You don't let anybody touch you unless you want to. That's true. The same thing is true for dogs. And again, I know your intentions are nice because you just want to pet that dog, but that dog doesn't know you. Even you know, reaching over, so presenting your hand like that, uh, that comes up, from the dog perspective over their head that is a threatening gesture for some dogs believe it or not and uh, oh but it was just petting him and he beat me they well because that dog didn't like you way to approach him it was rude and scary that's the reason why they did that but that's the reason why i think it's so important to learn uh, as much as we can about the dog body language okay. and yes uh, ask always permission to touch that dog mm. How do we do Just that? because the dog is in a walk on a leash doesn't mean that you're allowed to touch that dog. Can you tell us how we can do this? Like, what, what do you mean by how do we ask permission to see if a dog? But use it, meaning I, I'm always telling people, please ask the owners first uh, if uh, their dog is friendly or not. Uh, but also, even if uh, that is the case, uh, always wait for that dog to come towards you. Mm. On, of course, the, uh, the interaction is on the dog's terms, on, not on the person's terms. But also we have to understand that even if the dog comes and sniff at us, uh, doesn't mean that we are automatically best friends. Yeah, that's it. That's no, it. 
again, dogs are needs of their senses not to collect information about you. And then they make their decision. They may decide, mm, I don't like you. Oh, yeah, you're really nice. But again, then we have to look at their body language. Is the dog relaxed? or not, because if he's tense, I would not touch the dog, even if he's not growling or snapping or doing anything, he's tense, so I will not touch it. But instead, if the dog looks looks uh, very comfortable, has a loose body, I may start scratching the dog, but not the head, that is a very delicate part, maybe under the chin, the chest or the sides. Two seconds, two, three seconds, and then I will remove my hand. If the dog wants more, he will ask for more. Mm -hmm. And if he doesn't ask for more, I'm done. I That's don't good. resist. I respect that. That's it. So I think step one is teaching people what the limits are to then know how to respect them. Exactly. exactly. We don't have to impose ourselves on the dog, especially on dogs that we don't know. That's it. And that's why usually some aggression. These are people now, COVID, we don't even shake each other's hands. But when you introduce yourself to a person, you shake uh, that it. person's hand. It. But it's not that right away you go and hug that person. <laughs> exactly. It's true. So the same is for a dog. Yeah, there are dogs that are very friendly that, that they will not never mind being touched. But I would say, oh, who are you? That's it. That's it. And 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 which brings me to the next point um, that you spoke about, like the the language of dogs. You know that there's a very famous book called The Five Love Languages. Have you ever heard of that? It's this couple. No, honestly, no. <laughs> no. It's a it's a couple therapist who wrote a book yeah. summarized the top five love languages based on his mm -hmm. therapy between mm -hmm. couples, the main issues, and and it reminds me a bit of what what you do, like yeah. the language of the dog. Um, for me, like you mentioned that, like when I saw Bungie going angry at me, and there's this face he makes, he yeah. goes from looking adorable to looking like. I got a demon. A demon, yeah, like completely villain. And I, my God, his face. And so yeah. it's hard, I guess, at first until I found out to know that this face means fear or anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. And so I want to know aggression, if I understand, is a way to communicate fear or anxiety. Could it communicate aggression? So aggression, uh, so in uh, our dogs, uh, is mostly ritualized. Mm -hmm. People still think that aggression means that the dog is biting. Aggression doesn't only, it's not only when the dog bites. Okay. It's, when I said it ritualizes body language that the dogs have developed to, to communicate uh, their state of mind to the other dog or to the person by simply, for example, dogs may simply stare at you. Okay. They may freeze. Mm. Uh, depending on the breed, you may see the hair along their necks or back going up. Yes, yes. The yes. tail goes up. Yes. They drag their tail. Doesn't mean that they're happy. This is the other problem. People always think that dogs, whenever they wag their tails, they're happy to see you. Uh-uh. Wagging tails just simply means that the dog is ready for interaction, but interaction can go both ways. So again, when the dog is scared or tense, the tail is up and they move, move their tail slowly. But they move it. Oh, wow. Their old bodies tense. Uh, I told you they may stare. Yeah. They may start uh, showing their teeth without making noises. They are just snarling. Okay. They may growl. They may bark. They may lunge. They may come back and forth towards you. 
So how do you call, so it's the growling before the biting? What are it's the a warning signal. The growling is a warning signal to tell you, hey, stop. And if you don't, I will bite you. Okay, it's the warning signal. And so basically this is what happened. Uh, I was not understanding that growling was mommy, I'm scared. And yet I would continue doing it. And so obviously what happened? Well, he would go from skip the growling and try to bite. And all this because right. I did not understand his language. This is the problem. Dogs are expecting us as humans so to understand what they are trying to tell us. And if, uh, for example, they get a reprimanded when they are growling or snarling, or even I have a, even recently, I saw a lady that was uh, slapping the dogs for growling at her. What the dogs learned is, okay, I can't warn you anymore because otherwise I will be punished, hurt, something like that. So next time I'm just going to bite you and that's it. This is when dogs may become unpredictable because if we are telling them you can't warn me anymore, so they just will go for the bite. But then we don't know when this is going to happen and what is the trigger anymore? Because it's not telling us because he has never been allowed to do that because he was reprimanded or scolded or whatever. So that's the reason why we have to respect the crowd. It's like, a, it's our, you know, our smoke alarm systems in the house. We uh, need that finger to work, so to beep, to tell us, please leave the, the apartment because otherwise you are going to die in here. That is a very good analogy. That is a very good analogy and, and something I regret. And, and do you, you know, I, I, I stand against abuse also for, for humans, but do you yeah. consider this, how can I explain what I felt because of my lack of information? I was resourceful, yeah. but I didn't end up in the right path. But mm -hmm. I felt like I kind of would would what I did be considered abuse because of my lack of information. Well, it, I think there is a very thin line. <laughs> but you know, abuse to me, when even you use a choke, from my perspective, because I have to consider animal welfare as well. A choker is abuse because yeah. if you're choking your dog, your dog, people don't understand when you're choking your dog, you know, the neck is a very important part of our bodies uh, because there are a lot of, uh, uh, you know, veins, arteries, yeah. uh, uh, there's also the trachea, the esophagus, uh, but all, anyway, these veins and these arteries are uh, bringing the oxygen to our brain. When you're choking your dog, you're closing this. And so there's no oxygen oxygen that goes there anymore. And could be traumatic. We can cause a damage when we do these things. And so what do you say to someone who's watching this right now saying, I've been using choker all this time. I've, been, I've never had any problem. Okay. No, I understand because again, some dogs are so scared of so much pain, they would stop doing what they are doing. But there are more humane ways to control our dogs, if you want, or correct their problems. But again, we have to address the cause of these problems. That is medical in nature because it's anxiety and fear. So these are medical reasons for dogs to use aggression. That's the reason why they have to see, for example, as a starter point of their vet first, because I'm expecting any vet to be able to diagnose anxiety and fears. And depending on their abilities and their knowledge, they may deal with this by themselves or refer to a specialist. That's it.
but this is what they need to do. Okay. Again, I'm not here to hurt uh, any patient uh, just uh, to stop a bad behavior from happening because I know that I have better tools to do that without harming anybody. And so what would be your direct message to someone who's, who's listening to this being like? Uh, my direct message is to understand that your dog is not doing this because it's vicious or being mean uh, or having a tantrum. Your dog is just trying to express uh, his true feelings uh, towards behaviors that the dogs uh, use uh, behaviors that most of the times we don't like uh, even dogs with separation anxiety so dogs without aggression but they are so distressed when they are being left home alone they are going to do things that we don't like because they may pee they may poop they may destroy the house uh, they may ingest uh, anything <laughs> in their pack uh, they may bark they may howl and of course, depending on where you are living, uh, other than being very stressful for your dog, uh, sure. they may bother their, your neighbors. But again, these are not the mean dogs. These are just dogs that are having a severe panic attack when the owners are not there with them. Uh, yeah. Understanding that no dog is here to be bossy or mean, uh, that when they have these behaviors, it's because there's something else going on with them. But also even dogs with the pain. Uh, so pain is a... Uh, very underdiagnosed among our patients, pain can cause aggression because when you are in pain and you don't want to be touched. Mm. And so, and, and again, aggression being starting before, way before a growl, uh, even freezing. It's important, I think, to redefine aggression in a dog because we tend to think a dog that's working is aggressive, uh, but yeah. it's important to remember that it's yeah. the same thing with 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 that. So um, that that's interesting. That do you, why do you think it's uh, underdiagnosed? Obviously, because it's uh, less because it depends. There are some dogs that are really stoic, so they don't show any sign of pain. Yeah, and others, but this is two people. So uh, you and I can have a different response to a painful stimulus. Uh, I may accepting it and you instead may be already screaming, even if it's a very uh, uh, weak uh, uh, stimulus. Uh, and this is true for some dogs. Uh, some dogs accept a very uh, a huge amount of pain and others, mm, no, I can't. <laughs> But again, some dogs are very stylish, so they're not going to show it. Or when they are at the vet office, they're so scared that they're just shutting down. So they, even if you are doing your uh, physical evaluation, you can't determine that the dog is in pain. And others instead will say, stop touching me because now I'm going to rip your face off or your yeah, yeah, your yeah. Okay, okay, that's interesting that that fear, fear, anxiety, and pain are usually um, precursors, or should I say, at the origin of aggressive attack. Different. Uh, oh, sure. But even other, even when you are not in general not feeling well, you become more irritable. Sure. So in a sense, more predisposed to aggressive responses. Even when a person has a horrible headache. If you can, you just uh, isolate yourself. Uh, you maybe go in a room uh, with the dim lights or no lights at all. Uh, but again, because you can speak, you can always tell everybody, please don't bother me right now. I'm just going to rest a little bit and hoping that my headache will go away. But if uh, someone keeps annoying you, you will start saying something. Right. Of course, it's not that you are going to hurt that person, but at least you will use your words to say, please. We'll use the girl version of a human. Uh -huh. 
other terms. Okay, that's super interesting. And um, so, okay, so we covered that. Oh yeah, that's the thing. No dog on planet to dominate people. I wrote your sentence actually. See, I wasn't using my papers. Yeah, I use always said that the, the analogy, even if it sounds silly, this is not the planet of the apes. <laughs> so meaning, so you know, the apes are trying to uh, take over humans. Dogs are not here to do that. <laughs> because again, of the selection that we have made over centuries uh, or uh, e years, uh, we have selected dogs in a way that they could have, could have could live with us in our own homes. It would have been really stupid of us uh, to select dogs in a way that they would have become aggressive towards us. But you know, your, your words were impactful, at least to me, when I was faced. So obviously after we met, Bungie had little episodes of uh, showing yeah. anger, of showing aggression. Yeah. Uh, in this case, fear, I should say. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I should say. I wish yeah. you had thought about the aggressive. And so um, I remember there was one point, uh, and, and this is maybe good for people to relate, where Benji came and he actually bit me a second time. Mm -hmm. But but the difference is, and, and I'm telling you, this is where all your words had an impact. And so people look for quick fixes. Mm -hmm. I think that also is one. Where I just stood there, and then I thought of everything you said, and he's not here to dominate. My leg is bleeding. I'm a bit in pain. And all I did was, no, Benji. And I was speaking super slow and saying, I'm so sorry you're scared. And I had tears because I was like, Shock. oh, sure. And I had tears. I'm like, sure. I'm really sorry you're scared. Benji, no, boo, it's okay. And I didn't have treats because I was frozen, but I froze. And I was just being super nice. And I said, kushe, kushe. He actually went kushe. We went from bite in five seconds. To Benji mm -hmm. listening to me and sitting and, and lying down. And I was just shaking because I'm like, okay, am I doing things right? Am I being nice? Yeah. And but this is a perfect example of management. When I talk about management, of course, as a human being, you said, beat me. I was in pain. I wasn't scared. Uh, probably if you would have followed your instinct, uh, you would have been aggressive in response. Yeah, exactly. Okay. My body was shaking probably. Was exactly. Like, but if I said, no, no, no. Just so. Step back here, and then you ask him to do a completely different thing. Yeah, that's it. This is something that he knows and he can do, and he did. And he did, and that was and it. Can you imagine this? No, but like for me, the power of the of the the, the recommendations yeah. you give come handy only when you're there. But yes, my body is in pain, and yet yeah. he told me. Uh, that a dog, we have to speak to them in the same tone of voice, whether it's for a good or bad behavior. This was transformative. Today, Benji, I, I, and people are always impressed. I'm like, why do, yeah. why do small dogs have a bad reputation? Bark? <laughs> That's because the parents, the pet owners are not, are not doing the right education. Yeah. So my dog now to the public eye, if yeah. he does something, I'm like, Benji, to push it. Wow, look at him. Yeah, that, that's and I, and I told you that we we have to use these magic words uh, to our advantage. Uh, advantage of meaning uh, he knows these words. Uh, we have to use it to change the emotional state of our dogs. Uh, so that moment, say, okay, let's make him uh, lie down. <laughs> See how it goes. <laughs> but at least uh, because once he's in that position, uh, your dog becomes less reactive also. Okay. And it's okay. And, and then you are changing okay. his emotional state at the same time because this is the important thing. I don't want my dog to always be here where he doesn't understand anything because he's frantic. Exactly. I want to put him back down at a level where he can 
be receptive, listen to me, so then we can change the situation and the outcomes of that situation. And, and so in this moment, what happened in this moment, if I were to slow down my brain and I'm looking at my dog, I'm thinking, he's not here to tell me, check. Bungie's probably scared, be empathic, check. And Max, talk to him slowly because talking louder won't work, check. Distract him, check. Five seconds later, Bungie's chilling as if nothing happened. Me, I'm still under the shock. I said, <laughs> I know. And I'm so sorry because I told you, dogs or cats use behaviors that we don't like when they they uh, freak out. Absolutely. But because those are the only tools that they have, that's why we have to be calm. You know, it were, it were, I'm impressed. And that's why I care to share my story because I didn't need any choker. I just needed to put your words into practice, which I don't know if most of your, do, do you think that people oftentimes when they come to you, do they put into practice what you say? Or you know, uh, but this is when I even uh, I, when I talk to my clients uh, and I say, you know, yeah, there, you will need uh, some practice to do certain things if you have not uh, done it before. And again, when I say you have practice, I ask them something new, five, ten minutes every day, whenever you have the time. Some owners don't want that. They just wanted the magic pill to do everything for them. But I don't have that magic pill. I mean, I use medication, I know, because I know those can help this uh, patient to feel better and then be more receptive of what we are trying to do. But I don't have, and even if I explain all of this to them, uh, yes, uh, I would say most of my clients are trying to implement what I'm recommending and others are still just hoping that the medication will do everything for them. But then uh, this is when they are very disappointed. <laughs> I say, I told you, this is not going to happen. It's just one of the tools that we can use. It's not everything. Yeah. I mean, if I would have would have had that medication that uh, cures everything, I would have been a billionaire. I'm not. <laughs> but so, so I'm happy to see that I'm, I'm one of your good students or good clients. Yeah, you are. Yes, you are. <laughs> This woman just told you what to do, and how could you not want to practice this? Like, how do you? Yeah, this is a thing. Also, you know, my service is expensive. I know that. So why are you coming to listen to me, spending money and not implementing what I'm telling you? I don't, know. I don't want to waste your money. If you don't believe in this thing, please don't come. <laughs> it's a very good point, honestly. Uh, I I don't know, honestly. That that's why I I care that we raise awareness on this because if I would have known, I would have not spent my money on dogs. Honestly, that's what people need to know. Yeah. Let's calculate how much they spent on a choker and on this thing and how much yeah. they spent on a dog trainer and then let them yeah. just ask and tell them, you could have just put this on one or two visits with yeah. me or I don't know how many, yeah. depending on the case, of course. Sure, sure. And, and what they forget is they want the quick fix, but they're going to come back and see the quick fix versus you're giving them a long-term solution that will take a little bit more time to implement. But oh, sure. I, I, what, it's been a year I came to see you and... and, and like yeah it's just it's, it's, <laughs> I'm and and that's why I say it was so it was I don't realize that it was difficult at the moment but when I thought of that moment where I was bitten bleeding a bit in pain and all I thought about was my dog's perspective and my audience knows I'm all about perspective yeah that was it that was it yeah. that was the best magic pill I've ever taken <laughs> but I've oh thank you <laughs> honestly and and so um what uh, dealing with the we are not dealing with the stuffed animals. Uh, this is the point that they are living beings. Uh, we have to consider that. You know, we, we I think we, we tend to forget that. Uh, maybe one another two more questions, and I because I know you you probably have uh, a lot of uh, other things. I'm just trying to check like what would be sure. my 
Um, I would say, yes, you helped me build the trust again. I think this was a quote. I wrote it in quotes, so I think this probably comes from your article. But yeah. this, I would say you've helped me build trust. And when you have trust, which means trust means I've taken the other, my dog's perspective, and I've also started speaking his language, which means, you know, communication builds trust. Yeah, understanding each other. Exactly. And so um, probably my question would be, what have you learned the most um, or your biggest lessons through your um, years as a dog behaviorist? What are your big lessons? Well, I think uh, that what I've learned that, that I learned uh, animals are exception, exceptional uh, beings. Uh, again, I told you they have feelings, uh, they are sentient. Uh, and uh, what I learned is that if you learn how to communicate with them, uh, you will have a, um, an infinite uh, uh, and um, fulfilling interactions with them. Uh, this is what it is. The, the fact that I can communicate, I know it sounds silly, but the fact that I can speak to a dog uh, or to a cat and see that we understand each other is the best, uh, it's the biggest reward that I, I gain out of this. Uh, it's, so, it's crazy. These animals. It's crazy. And understanding that uh, they love uh, uh, each other, they love us. Uh, possible, sometimes they also hate us. And that's why I always say, that. thank God, thank God. Uh, we don't, we can't, they can't really speak our language because uh, I don't know what, what bad things they would tell about us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I mean, it, but no, this is the thing, understanding, uh, uh, I don't know, this is me, uh, this is my person. I, if you, I feel humble, meaning uh, knowing that uh, uh, I'm not uh, the only person that can talk and communicate and my feelings about that. Even other species can do that. Uh, and, uh, and accepting that and uh, understanding that we can und learn and understand each other, is, uh, it's, a, it's a great uh, great thing, I really. Wow, I love that. And what would be your, your biggest message to the world? To the population. <laughs> to the world. Oh my God! Is this too much? <laughs> we have to extend to Italy. We can't just say to most of the Italy and to France. And I think you've been to Ottawa and everywhere you've traveled. Well, this thing is uh, understanding that uh, our pets are not here to harm us, uh, and if they do, is because uh, they are trying to communicate something, and we are not getting it. So, so to look for help uh, because there is help uh, available and, uh, and not uh, uh, right away think that uh, there's nothing that, that, that can be done. Um, but uh, they, again, it's all about uh, educating our, uh, our public, our audience, uh, and let them know that uh, there is always help. Uh, there is always a possibility to change things uh, for the best. And, just uh, try to be able to do that. <laughs> I don't know. It's a uh, it's difficult. It's yeah. a great question, and maybe the last one you can just tell us why did you choose to be a dog behaviorist, and maybe just tell us like uh, because know. this happened. Uh, I was still in vet school, uh, and you know I graduated years ago. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, I I what uh what was uh for Christmas uh, uh I got uh, a very interesting book uh, that was about uh was about uh, what animals think. 
And uh, so I read it uh, and I was really fascinated. I said, oh, they do think. And they, <laughs> they use their brains as we do. And then I said, oh, what can I do in order to apply this uh, in my job, in my uh, environment? That's why I said, yeah, probably like behavioral medicine also, because that would be very helpful. So I do help these poor uh, animals uh, to communicate with their owners and uh, explain their owners that their dogs are, again, uh, feel and can communicate, uh, try harder. To... This is the thing, dogs and cats communicate with us 24 seven. Mm -hmm. But if you don't look for the science, you think that they don't. But instead, they speak uh, volumes uh, the whole time. Mm. Absolutely. And how's patata? <laughs> patata is uh, doing great. <laughs> Have you it's just being a chubby, being a chubby cat uh, and enjoying life, I can tell. Okay. She's very disappointed that, that, that now that the, the weather is changing, so it's becoming a little bit cooler. She's always asking to go out at the balcony, and depending on the day now, she, said, she goes out and says, oh, it's too cold, and she comes back here. So she's realizing that the, the winter is coming, and she doesn't like that. But other than that, no, she's fine. But thank you for asking. Okay, good, good. Yeah. Oh, this is the other good thing. People think that, for example, we always talk about dogs, but even cats. Uh, are, are just recently, not even a month ago or something, and they published uh, finally a research to prove uh, cats uh, love their owners and have feelings. <laughs> really? Because people think, oh, cats are these weird animals uh, that are very um, independent, which is true, it's a different species, uh, but they do love their owners. Uh, they, in their own way. They are social animals, but they are social in a different way, but they are social animals. But yeah. Okay, and so. that, that pretty much consists your work of, of so and, and one last question actually. Yeah. What, what is a dog behaviorist? You said I think you said it earlier. But I think so this is a behaviorist is a term that a lot of people use. Uh, I I use a veterinary behaviorist, which is that is a term that uh, is a title that only people like me can use. And as a veterinary behaviorist is a person that, yes, uh, went through vet school, but also a three-year residency during which, during which you see all these behavior cases uh, along with your mentor. Mm -hmm. But uh, you have to write uh, case reports, uh, pass a test. Uh, so you have to read a lot, uh, study a lot, uh, expose the yes to a lot of cases. Uh, but then you have to finally prove that you are uh, the person that really knows what it's talking about. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Well, good job. Well, thank you for doing what you do. I think the world thank needs you. to know that the dog behaviorists are also a path to take and, and to be for it to be a reflex. Um, I mean, it's going to take maybe more time, uh, more yeah. books, more yeah. you know, videos like this, where yeah. if only I had to do it all over again, I wish the first time Benji bit me, I would like dog behaviors right away. <laughs> That's, that I think is, is how through education we can get there. And so yeah. I'm enormously grateful that you, uh, you uh, agreed to to speak with me and to, to share pretty much it's not about me me I've already yeah, no. no, I'm hoping that uh, this conversation will help others but, you know sure that you know that this is one of your bigger qualities is curiosity we have to be curious uh, because otherwise if you're not cu curious you can't grow as a person this is the way it is curious because uh, you you sit with these people and you ask questions so yes, yes there is curiosity meaning you want to know what's going on of course uh, but is uh, you're probably 
thirst of knowledge uh, and, all, and all these things. But yeah. Grazie mille. Prego, prego, prego. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye, bye, bye.